You are Locked On Packers, your daily Green Bay Packers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We said four quarters, all gas, no break. You guys did that today. Hell of a job. R-E-L-A-X. Relax. We're going to be okay. It is time. It is time. I feel like we can run the table. We're going to do it. You are Locked On Packers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am Peter Bukowski, and I cover the Packers for SB Nation and Packer Report. I cover the NFL around the internet, and you can follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked On Packers. You can like us on Facebook. You can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, on Spotify, on Google Podcasts, wherever you find podcasts. You will find Locked On Packers, the number one Packers podcast on the internet. And the show for fans who know what happened, they want to know why and how. And today on the show, I want to put together a roadmap for the Packers offseason because there's a lot going on right now, a lot being discussed, and I want to I want to put a finer point on it. I want us to have a clear understanding of where the team is at the moment, where they are likely to go and where they're capable of going. I think that part is essential as we discuss what Green Bay is and isn't able to do as they look toward the offseason. So One of the things we've discussed on the show already is where the Packers stood after the season, what what they were good at and what they weren't good at, right? We talked about linebacker, we talked about receiver, we talked about the questions around Brian Bulaga, and so that leads to an obvious question. What are they going to do? What are their options? And you're only as good as your options. This is something Brian Gutekinds discussed specifically in his end-of-year press conference. He mentioned the desire to get better at the skill positions, but that the cost was prohibitive relative to the return. So when we look at this team, and the the few holes are obvious, they are probably going to add at receiver. That seems like the most intuitive place, and I I don't think it takes any sort of uh, soothsayer any sort of special powers of clairvoyance to see the future on this. They wanted to make a move at the deadline. They wanted to add explosiveness. And this is a chance for the Packers offense to take that proverbial next step with its personnel. They took the next step with its coach. And Matt LaFleur created a new kind of system. And I know I've heard from a lot of fans that have said, oh, it looks like the McCarthy offense, and it's just not. There are some overlaps, there are some similarities, and there are some inconsistencies, much as there were at the end of the Mike McCarthy era. That does not make it the Mike McCarthy offense. It is, importantly, not the Mike McCarthy offense. When it comes to receiver, there are free agent options. There are players that Green Bay could go out and sign at a reasonable price. There are players they could go out and sign at an unreasonable price. But they have options. That part is important. As you set up your off-season plans, it can't just be these are the players the team likes and then these are the players in the draft the team likes. No, everything fits together. 
where are the positions they can bolster in free agency versus the draft? We know the draft is strong at receiver. It's also strong at offensive tackle. It is deep at quarterback. There are a number of of players who I think there could be six, eight, even 10 quarterbacks who go in the top 100. There are divergent views on those players, but it would not be surprising if Green Bay had its eyes on one of them. But you have to take that all into account because when you spend money in free agency, part of that is opportunity cost. Because it's not just the true cost of that contract. It is saying, okay, if the team is going to spend money, they are paying for certainty. When they spent money on Zadarius Smith, more than most teams thought was prudent, Green Bay was paying for certainty. They felt it was more prudent. I'll use that word again. Certainly financially prudent. And they felt like they had inside information with Mill Hendrickson in the the building from his time in Baltimore to say Zadarius Smith could be a special player. Green Bay had some inside info on Preston Smith from Kirk Olivadote, the the linebackers coach, and so they were paying for that certainty. You're paying for a veteran player, someone who you know on the field has a certain set of skills. A rookie is essentially a blank slate. Even when we know what they are in college, when they get to the pros, all bets are off. And you're drafting based on certainty. If you are certain, the more certain you are a player is going to be good, the higher you are going to rank them and the more likely you are to draft them. But so if you can't, for example, get a quality player at linebacker, then you have to turn to the draft. So where are you going to allocate your resources? This is an important question for the Packers because the receiver position in free agency, and the draft is strong. So what is the dollar figure at which someone like Robbie Anderson, for example, a player who makes a lot of sense from a fit standpoint, who could provide that deep speed, who is an an improved route runner, who has become a more complete player in the last season or two? What is his value compared to LaVisca Chenault in the first round, Jalen Rager, or let's say T. Higgins, or you you go further down the draft and there are other players, does K.J. Hamler fall? Are there players in the, in the third, in the fourth round who feel like are they are potential impact players, sleeper picks? Tyler Johnson, you know, future James Jones. Tyler Johnson from Minnesota is a James Jones clone. I'm telling you, just wait. But if you can make that splash signing and make it, for value. You know, if Emmanuel Sanders is going to cost eight or nine million dollars, you know, in a receiver in his 30s, number one, that doesn't sound like something a Packers front office would do because they just don't value older players that way. But more than that, couldn't you get comparable value by paying a rookie? the the, the minimum, you know, the rookie wage scale, whatever it is. I guess it's not the minimum per se. But you're paying rookie pricing. So even if it's even and especially if it's not a first round pick, if you think you can get a second round pick, you know, someone in there really dazzles you, then maybe in your first round pick, you're able to go a different direction. The prudent play to me for Green Bay would be to say, sign a receiver or trade for one, 
I am still a huge proponent of the Robert Woods trade. The, the Rams need to get off money. Robert Woods knows Matt LaFleur, knows the offense, and would immediately provide reliability. He can make plays down the field. He can make plays. You know, you want to go bubble screen? Okay, he can make a play. You want to go deep? Okay, he can make a play. You want to go intermediate? You trust him to get the ball and hang on, and you trust him to be in the right place at the right time. I think he is generally a very underrated player and could be the kind of guy that could come in right away to Green Bay's offense and be a productive number two guy. You draft someone in the middle rounds, now it's suddenly not a priority. This is what changes. This is what changes. When you do not have to go in and say, this receiver is going to fundamentally change the offense. Then suddenly you can be a little bit more judicious. You don't need to go into the first round saying, this is a need. This is a player who, if they come in and we draft them, is someone who's going to have to play, and they are going to be an impactful player in this system because they have to be. That's important. The opportunity is important. So if you are signing a receiver, and we're going to assume Brian Bulaga is signed because I think more and more it's looking likely that that's the direction that they're going to take. Then that leaves linebacker. It leaves a long-term solution at offensive tackle, defensive line, and quarterback. These are not positions that necessarily have a ton of opportunities in free agency. Linebacker, I'm not paying almost any free agent linebacker unless it's Bobby Wagner, Luke Keekley who retired, or that might be the list, Levante David. You have to be a superstar off-ball linebacker to warrant free agent money. And Joe Schobert, I'm sorry, is just not that guy. If you're a Wisconsin fan, that's great. He is not that guy. And none of of the players at the other positions really do it for me, um, frankly, but I I can't imagine they're going to do it for Green Bay at the price that they're going to command. So linebacker in free agency, probably not going to happen. Do you spend money at offensive tackle and free agency? Uh, I don't know why you would. You can get a long-term solution for cheaper in the draft. That seems like the prudent play. You're not going to pay for a running back. I know there's been a lot of conversations about Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams. That's something that we're going to talk about this week on the show. You're not going to go that route in free agency in all likelihood. And at defensive line, Green Bay seems to like where they are it, it feels like another place where they'll go mid-round or beyond. Now, quarterback is an interesting question. What do they do there? And maybe they wait. Maybe they wait. Because in free agency, if you sign Marcus Mariota, who's been a name connected to Green Bay, because of his time with Matt LaFleur, because he is a veteran backup, and because Green Bay is going to be looking for options moving forward he's still a young player you know maybe there is something there and you're probably going to be able to get him for cheap can you get him on a, on the Ryan Tannehill deal for example okay then does that prohibit you does it make it from a roster standpoint problematic to go into the draft with two quarterbacks under contract and now you have to roster three if you draft Jordan Love or Jake Fromm or Jacob Eason or Justin Herbert falls, or or whoever it is. That complicates things 
for you. It seems more likely if Green Bay does like these quarterbacks that they would wait until after the draft, see if they get one, and then figure out the situation at quarterback. And that is something that the Chiefs did with Matt Moore. The Eagles did it with Josh McCown. And Green Bay is certainly more than capable of doing it with whatever veteran quarterback is out there and still needs a contract after the draft. There are going to be players like that, and then Green Bay can make a decision. Are they comfortable? You know, let's say Jordan Love is there at 30. And and maybe all of this is just posturing. Maybe that's it. Maybe, maybe they're going into this saying, there are a lot of quarterbacks in this draft. We don't really like any of them. But the more that we pretend that we do, the more we can drive the price up for those players around the first round. This was a, a theory of mine last year around the Drew Locke stuff. Now, I, I think the Drew Locke stuff turned out to be real. I think they really did like Drew Locke. But there was a part of me that was thinking, well, if if they want someone else, let's say they want, for example, uh, a super athletic safety from Maryland who can play in the slot and deep and, and anywhere you need him to on the defensive front. Maybe they like that guy and they'd rather someone else not take him and if they might want a quarterback, they consider moving up to get him and then it makes it easier for Green Bay to get the player that they want. Now, I don't think that turned out to be the case, but maybe that is the case this year. It could be. It could be, and it's something to consider. But but now we've narrowed down these position groups because if you take a quarterback, because if you if you sign a receiver and you re-sign Brian Bulaga, now really the only position where you don't have a long-term starter is at linebacker and offensive tackle. And if that's how you're looking at this first round, the second round, you know, the, the top 70 or so picks. This is a draft loaded with guys at those positions, and then you can pick up that defensive lineman in the third round or that developmental QB, and then you can add you know, the one you missed in the fourth. You can, you can add that guy. Whatever you didn't get in the third, add that guy in the fourth, and then after that, it's lottery tickets because that's how this works. But it, this, this is an offseason where Green Bay can really laser focus in on where their needs are try and meet them as best they can in free agency. And because they can't do everything in free agency, especially this year, limited salary cap constraints plus the player pool available, they have a draft that fits the needs that they have. And they can go in saying these are the players they love. And if they can't get them, maybe they can convince someone else to come up and get a quarterback that they like or something like that, move down ad picks, and still ultimately have the opportunity to draft a player they really, really like. One thing I want to do before we get too much further is to caution everyone as we move forward here because there's a lot that's going to happen in the next few weeks, and there's going to be new big boards out, and the Senior Bowl is going to have players moving around. And there's, there's a lot of information that's going to be out there. And you're, you're going to think, oh, well, someone had a great Senior Bowl. And so that means X, Y, Z for them. Be distrustful, okay, of any analysis that suggests a couple practices 
in Alabama importantly impacts the quality of a prospect. Now, there are exceptions. There are certainly players who you say, okay, um, what could they do and what couldn't they do? And they come to the, the the Senior Bowl and they show a more diverse route tree or something like that. And all of a sudden, you know, their stock is on the rise, so to speak. Well, they were a player in college. And they they either showed those traits or they didn't. Now, sometimes they're not asked to do certain things. Just because a player doesn't do certain things doesn't mean they can't. And that is an important distinction as we talk about NFL draft prospects. And that is that is important in this offseason process. So it's not like, okay, the, the Senior Bowl means nothing. The Senior Bowl does mean something, especially for smaller school products to get the opportunity to play against big-time major conference players. That's the thing where it is most useful. And it's also helpful for players who were secondary options on their own teams and not quite given the opportunities to shine the way that maybe they should have. Terry McLaurin is a great example of that. Now, McLaurin, the tape matched up with what he showed at the Senior Bowl. He was incredibly fluid and polished as a route runner and productive, a 1,000 yards his last year at Ohio State. It's not like that guy couldn't play. No, that, I mean, that's that's crazy. So the the Senior Bowl is a measuring stick. And, and we look, we had Eric Edholm on to talk about it, and he is as knowledgeable as anyone about this stuff. And so I, I thought he provided some good insight. That being said, it is just another piece of information as we go through the offseason process. Now, all that being said, one of the positions where Green Bay is going to be interested in adding players, and in particular adding speed, and that's the, that's the thing, speed at linebacker. There are players in this draft who can do that. And unfortunately for the Packers, uh, it seems like the initial consensus was too low on some of them. You know, players like Kenneth Murray seem to be creeping up draft boards. And maybe the NFL was always in on those guys more than they they were originally, and we just didn't know it. And it was just the the media that had this wrong. Kenneth Murray is an impressive player from Oklahoma. He would immediately be a tremendous player for the Packers and the best, most athletic linebacker anyway, that they've had in some time. Could you find, and this goes to the point about free agency, could you find a veteran to play that nickel safety linebacker hybrid role next to them? Could Eric Berry be a potential fit there? It would be nice to have a veteran player playing next to your rookie linebacker, especially at a position that requires so much reading, probably calling the signals, that's a lot of responsibility for a first-year player. But if you have someone like that on the board at 30, it is a consideration to be sure. And Patrick Queen is another player who's who I think teams are, are diving into. I think it's something someone that the, the media is diving into. He's an underclassman. And this is the thing that can happen with underclassmen. I know that I push back at times about this idea of 
uh, stock rising and falling, especially off of, you know, a, a couple practices in Alabama. But some of these players, you know, Patrick Queen, for example, was not in Mobile, but he declares and you go back and you watch and you go, wow, this guy has some serious juice. But it's not just him. You look Malik Harrison from Ohio State. He was at the Senior Bowl, could be the kind of player that interests Green Bay. There are linebackers in this draft who could come in and play the role that Green Bay wants them to. We, t- we talked about one of them yesterday, Akeem Davis Gaither from App State. There are players that Green Bay can draft. There aren't free agent options. So they have to look at the draft. That ramps up the intensity with which Green Bay is going to scout these guys and the intensity with which they're going to consider drafting them. Remember, best player available is the player who impacts the team the most on his rookie contract and theoretically beyond. So position matters, opportunity matters, talent matters. They're all important pieces. So there are all these options at linebacker. Offensive tackle provides the same sort of smorgasbord. There are a bunch of different players who could be there at 30. You look, there are a bunch of different guys who could be there in the 60s when the Packers pick, in the 90s, and beyond. It is a draft with a number of athletic offensive tackles. If they want a long-term solution to Brian Bulaga, this draft has them. And if you re-sign Bulaga, free agency, you don't need to worry about it because you've handled it with Bulaga. So this is why it's so important to marry the process of your free agent acquisition and extension. You know, Brian Goodekin said that he's got a lot of Ted Thompson in him. He wants to keep all his guys. Okay, they're not going to keep all their guys, and they're going to have some money to play with. So where do you spend it? It matters not only where there are players to, to spend it on in free agency, but where is the draft rich in talent and receiver is one of those spots so maybe you say if if the draft is deep at receiver maybe you say sign one and then you can wait or the flip side of that is maybe just draft a couple there there are multiple ways to look at this and we don't know yet how green bay is going to view this offensive tackle is the same sort of way yeah you could Resign Brian Bulaga, or that there's a lot of quality offensive tackles in this draft. Maybe they think they can just draft one and go that route. If it were me, that's not how I would handle it, but that is a possibility. Linebacker is really just not like that. It's not like that in that the free agent options are not great. And I would say the, the linebacker options in the draft are somewhat limited, but there are talented players in the top 100 who could come in and be legitimate impact starters for the Packers. And that is why, as we sit here today, if I had to project the Packers' first pick, and I'm not even sure it's going to happen in the first round because I think someone could could see one of these quarterbacks falling and Green Bay could pick up some picks to move into the second round and grab someone. I think that first selection, whether it's in the first round or the second round, is going to be a linebacker.
All right, a lot more to get to this week as we look toward the offseason, trying to get a preview in here and figuring out what the situation is with the roster currently and where they're looking to go. This is not about necessarily getting it right, but trying to figure out a frame of mind. And I think it also sets the table for evaluating the offseason. These are the flaws. These were the opportunities that they had to correct those flaws, to fill the holes on the roster in free agency and the draft. Did they effectively use the tools at their disposal to counterbalance those flaws? We'll see. That's what makes the offseason fun. This is uh, another exciting offseason. I've only had exciting offseasons since I've been here. Uh, you know, the Packers add a defensive coordinator. They make some free agency moves. They make a GM move. And then, you know, the next year, a new head coach and some free agency madness. And now they are much more narrowed in their focus, able to look at this offseason and say, these are the specific two, three ways that they can get better to become a championship team. So how do they approach it? It's fascinating. Brian Gutekunst, Russ Ball, Matt LaFleur, they have their work cut out for them as they set out on this 2020 offseason, but not in the way that they did last year, where they needed to just add talent. It was just a talent acquisition game. Now, this is harder. I mean, just objectively, it's harder because you can't just throw darts. You have to understand what is at stake, the, the kinds of specific needs you have, and attack those specific needs in a surgical kind of way. This this cannot be darts. It has to be surgical because they only have so many years left. And so this is the, the, another pressure-packed offseason for this Packers front office. We'll see how they handle it. And of course, we'll be here to talk about all of it. Talk about the Combine, who helped themselves, who didn't. That is coming up before you know it. Free agency will be here. So, so much more to get to as we move through the offseason. Keep it with us. Subscribe to the podcast, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you find podcasts, you will find Locked on Packers. Follow me on Twitter. Follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked on Packers. You can follow me at Peter underscore Bukowski. And anytime you want to hit us up with the Locked on Packers fan hotline, you can do that, 920-341-3775 to stay Locked on Packers. <laughs>